Welcome to the WP Builds Podcast, bringing you the latest news from the WordPress community. Now, welcome your hosts, David Wormsley and Nathan Wrigley. Hello there once again and welcome to the WP Builds Podcast. This is now episode 81 entitled WordPress Security and What You Need to Know About It with David Hayes. It was released on Thursday the 21st of June 2018. My name's Nathan Wrigley from pictureandword.co.uk, a small web development agency based in the north of England, and I'll be joined a little bit later by David Wormsley from davidwormsley.com so that we can share our thoughts on Well, the discussion before the interview, which is entitled, Can We Avoid Burnout? And then after the interview, we have a short ending fact, which is called, What is the Shelf Life of a Website? You can find out more about those by listening for a few more minutes. Please, 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 if you like this podcast, go and share it all over social media. If you go onto the podcast player on the website, there's lots of buttons like the iTunes button and the Google Play button and various other buttons to download the feed um, from Android and iPhone and all of those other lovely devices. Um, We'd really appreciate that and it does help if you give us those reviews. The other things to mention, as always, if you go to wpbuilds.com forward slash deals, you can find the latest deals forward slash webinars. If you'd like to join me and Sebastian Webb from Microthema, we have a webinar on Thursday, the 5th of July at 9 p.m. Britain, British time, which is much more normal time in the United States, where we're going to discuss how Microthema works and how why you might be interested in styling your website using that plugin. It's really, really good. Um, and I think that's probably about it for the bit at the beginning, except to say, stick around. I'm going to be talking to David Hayes today. David Hayes is the person who co-runs WP Shout, where they've produce lots and lots of great content about WordPress each and every week, but they also have a variety of courses, one of which is all about WordPress security. And that's what David's going to talk to us about today. Obviously knows an awful lot. He's the kind of person who you know wrangles the code rather than listening to the anecdotal stuff as I do. And it's really interesting. You know, what about security plugins? What kind of technical things can you do How often should you back up? That kind of thing. It's fascinating. A personal, absolute favourite topic of mine. I really did enjoy having this conversation. So I will hand you over now to David and I. I hope you enjoy the podcast. And this discussion is called Can We Avoid Burnout? Nathan, this is going to be interesting because I don't think we really have that much experience of burnout. But we do know some people, don't we? Web designers and developers who have definitely suffered it. Yeah, and also um, I think it's a really interesting discussion. That obviously, as always is the case, David and I have a bit of a natter before mm. we press record, and it's it's made me think quite hard, this. Um, and whilst it's not super-duper crucial in my life, I think I've managed to avoid aspects of it, just the definitions that you're about to provide made me think, oh, actually, do you know what? Some of this might be me as well. Yeah, and this should be my area of expertise. I did a psychology degree, but still, honestly, I had to go and look up 
in psychology today what it is. So um, this is what's coming from it. But the symptoms of burnout, I think it gets confused with stress because it is connected with it. It often stress leads to burnout. But their basic definition is it's a chronic stress that leads to physical and emotional exhaustion, cynicism and detachment, a feeling of ineffectiveness and lack of accomplishment. The last one, wow, that gets me all the time. Yeah, we should probably go through these one at a time. So, should we decide whether we're yeah. where, whether we're um, recipients of these problems, as it were? Physical yeah. physical exhaustion. Do you get that? Yeah. Did you know it's interesting? I was talking to somebody who did suffer with burnout um, about a week ago. I was feeling really low, and they said burnout first thing. I mean, as it turned out, I needed some iron tablets. <laughs> but uh, right. Yeah, so that pulled me around. But no, but uh, I haven't had that, not for a long, long time. I'll move on to my old job, actually, before, because I definitely had a physical and emotional exhaustion in that. Okay, yeah, we'll come back to that. In terms of physical exhaustion, I, I wouldn't know. Um, I've got three children, and mm. uh, they're, they're of that age where they still need, an, each one of them needs quite a lot of things happening from me. And also we moved house a little while ago and there's lots of jobs that I require to do DIY and building and all of that kind of stuff. So I don't know. I'm, I'm always tired whenever mm. I sit down, um, <laughs> but I don't know in all honesty, whether that's, uh, I don't know if my job is responsible for that. I don't know. Yeah. Emotional exhaustion. Mm. What about you? No, I don't think so. I mean, only it goes with the physical. When If I feel physically tired, then emotions go with it. If I don't get enough sleep. But no, it's silly, you know. I'm only like a small toddler, really, who starts to want to cry when when I get tired. Right. Yeah. I, I don't think there's a. I don't think this is building up over time. But I do. I do get sort of grumpy, I suppose, from time to time. Again, I think that's more to do with the, the nature of stuff going on outside of work. Uh, it's very rare that I get cross at the job, um, or get really, really cross with you know what's what's happening with clients and things. I usually have a fairly decent perspective on that um, yeah. uh, because, I, I, but then I suppose there are aspects of what I do that can be touch. What's the word for that? Flashpoints, I suppose. So, for example, mm. things like um, those sudden emails where the site's down, and even though yes. you know it's probably not your fault, it suddenly feels like you've got to do, and everything gets thrown, you know, to one side, and you've got to rush off and fix it. That that can be um, emotionally exhausting, I suppose. But it's not very often that I get those things. Yeah. You're not sounding like a, a burnout victim. What about the cynicism and detachment? Yeah, I, I was I was struggling to to feel what they meant. Um, cynicism, I'm presuming, is where you are. Well, you know, it's cynical about the job. No, I'm I'm quite buoyant about it. Mm. You know, obviously, here we are both doing a a podcast about it. I would say that this would be the last thing that either of us would be doing if we were cynical. So, <laughs> but but I do know, you know, there's an awful lot of uh, Facebook chats, shall we say, where people yeah. are exactly that. You know, they're cynical about the the future and about what they're doing. Um, so no, not doesn't really fit with me, but I can I can well understand it. And detachment, yeah, mm. I, I suppose I do suffer from that a little bit. Sometimes I feel um, that it's that its value is not as much as it should be, or I'm you know placing less importance on it. That, that that's mm. definitely possible. You know, I'll quite often find 
a million and one things to do that are less important than the work that I need to do and get on with those instead. <laughs> what about you? Yeah, no, I mean, I think when they're talking about the detachment on this, I think it's just feeling like you're sitting outside of the rest of the world. I, I think it's that feeling like you're, you don't belong any longer, like the world's gone bonkers. You're cynical about everything around. That's, I think that's what they're getting at. Mm. You're, I, don't, I think you will have real difficulty uh, understanding burnout, actually, because I think you are naturally buoyant and you, you're measured, you're a family person, you know where your priorities are. So, But I, I think I've touched on this previously before when I felt completely at odds like the world is mad and it's just me and I'm alone mm. and what <laughs> you did know. you do was that in your previous job then yeah I think so that was I think certainly burnout there just getting too focused on my own without sort of you know I didn't have a partner then I didn't I didn't and I still don't have you know family I don't have my own children and that and that just getting and I think this is why I think burnout would probably gets talked about a lot in our jobs because it's so easy, isn't it, to just kind of sit in a basement and look at code all day long. Yeah, I <laughs> guess that level of detachment I do suffer yeah. from. Yeah, that's a good point. I'd misjudged what that meant, I think. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, I spend a vast proportion of my working day sat in a room, which is what? It's about, I don't know, 10 feet by 15 feet, something like that. Mm-hmm. With a, with a bunch of computers and that's it. And there's a phone and a keyboard and all that kind of stuff. And that, whilst that's quite nice, you know, it's a nice setup. It also is a bit lonesome. It is just me. Um, mm. And and I do, um, I do sometimes feel that I'd like to step away from it. But yeah. I don't do enough of that. We were talking again just before it began about remedies for this and about the fact that you can actually just get up and go out and do things which might Mm -hmm. might make you suddenly feel an awful lot better and in your case I think you're quite good at doing that but I I seem to be incapable of doing it I don't know why yeah well maybe because you've not reached a I've reached a rock bottom and I I might as well go on to that just quickly is that you know my old job because I did have a team that I managed I was on my own I was in rented accommodation with People, so there wasn't a support network for me, and I just got into the work. I was quite ambitious, I suppose, within that work. I wanted to do, I wanted to be kind of one of the best managers in our organization. And I didn't, you know, until I got away on a holiday and realized how awful I was and how much energy I gained for being out. Um, I, that made me change and it made me think I'm not going to do what I normally do, which is I'll just sit and carry on with my work rather than go out. <laughs> now I sort of set it so I think it's more I only I'm only good about going out most days because I just know what happens if I don't what does that look like what do you what do you mean you go out most days do you have like a prescribed time or do you just feel like I'm full up now I need to go yeah well I have to force my way you know to stop doing the next job or something on the computer and just say my wife's good at getting me out when we're traveling which we're in the ukraine at the moment so we have to go and look around all these new places so that's good she gets me out but even before luckily with goa most of the time i chose it and i love it because of the fact there's a beach there there's a swimming pool i can go to and i just force myself to make those habits to walk the beach daily and go to the pool and it's you know just changes my life you Mm -hmm. know and so you just do that when you feel the need to do it. So there may be a day where you don't do it, or are you religious in, look, it must happen once a day, whenever that is? Yeah, almost religious to force myself to do it. But I'll do it at any point. But it just means that before the day out, I must go and do one of these things. It's Isn't very it, rare. Interesting that, that you use the word force for something yeah. that you like. 
I know, I know, because it's so easy, isn't it? I think this is the danger of burnout. This is how to avoid because just my experience from work is the fact that it's just too easy to think, oh, I'll get this job done. Yes. You know, and you stay and then the sun's gone down and you think, actually, I'm quite tired now. I'll just I'll just sleep and I won't do that or I won't go out to an event or something that's mm. going on because mm. they're going to tire me, these people, and I've got stuff to do. And you you prolong this, don't you, I think? I don't know why I don't make more of an effort to get out. I mean, obviously, of an evening and with the kids and a lot of my life is – a lot of my going out, if you like, is tied up with like kids' events and things. But mm. um, I – Five minutes away, I can be in a beautiful rural mm. setting on my bike, um, and I love it. And I, I know that I will feel better. And yet, it, to be honest with you, for me, it literally doesn't even occur to me to do it. There is no part of me during the day which is saying you should get up now and go out. I'm, mm. I'm quite happy to potter at my computer on the whole, um, and mm. I don't get that frustration. Um, and if I do get those frustrations and if something isn't I, I do act upon it I don't sit around but the, the reason that I don't do it is because it genuinely on the whole it doesn't bother me but when it does I go to the beach five minute drive get on um, mm. but, but I don't do it as a, as a sort of religious thing and I wonder if I should every day mm. 15 minutes just see try that for a month see what happens maybe it'll change my outlook on everything yeah, I think. Do you know what? It's the next, the one that we were moving on to. The next point was feeling uh, ineffectiveness or lack of accomplishment, and I think these are bound up with this because that's the whole sticking at the computer doing the next job, isn't it? It's mm. that feeling you can get ahead, and and it's it's empty. You never can. You can never do all the things that you would like to do in in you, you're gonna die not achieving everything you wanted to do yeah. that's just that's just how life is isn't yeah it? you'd have to be seriously seriously um poor expectations of life if you manage to get through them all by the end <laughs> of it I, i'm really bad at these last two the feeling of ineffectiveness and a lack of accomplishment and why whilst i don't feel that they're overarching and they don't really wrestle me to the ground and bring burnout on me I can completely identify with those, you know, that feeling that maybe it's a, a measure against other people. Maybe it's I just don't feel that I've achieved what I wanted to do by the end of the day, week, month, whatever it might be, um, which, of course, is tied to this lack of accomplishment. And I'm I've always been shiny object man. Yeah. Uh, I always want the, the latest and greatest thing. And so when new technologies come along, I have this thing that, oh, I should I really should learn that. But I never do. And so there's an element of me which when I see, you know, articles written about this, that and the other thing, and clearly this 17-year-old kid has mastered it, I feel, ah, I've let myself go there. Should really <laughs> should really have got to grips with that. But then I think, actually, do you know what? I, I know enough about the things that I need to know about. It's probably all right. Yeah, I think, I mean, burnout is definitely something for the type A personalities, the ones who just want to be the best at everything because... You know, you just, it's its an impossible task to set yourself, isn't it? Mm. What, what's a type A, just to be clear? I, I think I know, but I'm not entirely sure. <laughs> well, I, don't, I, just, it's, I think it's an Americanism I borrowed. But what, what I think that means is just the, the, the go-getters, the people who want everything to be A1 perfect and be on top of everything, just right. to be the best. Okay. That's what, that personality, yeah. Well, it, it turns out, though, that this is, whilst you and I appear to be you know, suffering from aspects of this, 
mm. uh, and it's not necessarily affecting us. It sounds like it's, it has affected you deeply in the past, but I feel that this is a thing which is affecting our community, people doing the kind mm. of work that we do, building websites. There seems mm. to have been a lot of conversation over the last couple of years t- uh, talking about depression. It seems to have been wound up in that word. Mm. Um, and I wonder if this is a thing which we need to you know, address more seriously. I don't, I don't even know if there's support groups for this kind of thing. There probably is online. Yeah, I think so. You are uh, interviewing somebody or somebody that's going to be on the show who does that. I don't know if you've talked about that, uh, but it's um, uh, Dan. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Yep. It's one of his uh, subjects, isn't it? He? he really wants to help people in WordPress, you yep. know, on an emotional level as well. Well, he's he's really good at that, isn't he? You know, he's got a lot of stuff going on. And mm. But for me, um, I wonder if the solution to the online problem is more online, if you know what I mean. Does that <laughs> uh, yeah. or if it needs to be more local? You know, people down the street, in the pub, in the park, at the beach that you can actually physically interact with. Because I wonder sometimes if the more I stare at my screen, the the more exacerbated this problem ultimately would become. For me, I, I think I can probably find a solution online if these things happen because you and I are members of various Facebook groups and, and they, they yeah. do help and people can be very supportive. And sometimes just the text on the screen, which is... Um, pleasant mm. and helpful is enough. Mm. It sort of makes you feel a little bit more chirpy. But but I don't think you could ever replace real world contact with real world people. I don't think it would ever be no. quite the same substitute. No, what I learned on really just reading up on it is obviously there's some confusion between what's stress and what's burnout and mm. the the uh, burnout can come out of stress, but stress is really kind of good for us. It just keeps us, you know, it's, it's when we feel like we've got a bit of pressure on us and we're active and burnout is when you've gone past that and you've really kind of almost felt like you've opted out. You can no longer do anything mm. anymore. And I, I think it, all you can do is watch out for the symptoms because the solutions are really obvious. It's a balanced life. It's exercise. It's going out. It's being with loved ones. It's having good company and not staring at the screen. All you know that is the solution to it all. I think it's the problem is the recognizing that it's starting to happen. Mm. Yeah, and you because we're in that isolated environment. Where in my case, sitting in this room. Uh, nobody's telling you that, are they? Nobody's sort of saying, look, you need to watch out for yourself. Obviously, I've got my family and that, that would they would be the people that told me. Uh, mm. But if you were doing this and you were, like you said, in rented accommodation, it was quite an interesting phrase, turn of phrase you saying that. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- there's no support network and there's nobody looking after you. you you're probably just going to get deeper and deeper into it over time. Mm. Um, yeah, it'd be interesting yeah. to see what comments come out of this one. Yeah, I'm sure there'll be plenty of stuff for that. Um, it's, I think, you know, that there is a, an element in your characters, and I think we are a little bit safe from it because this <laughs> this podcast is testament to the fact that we, uh, we, we're not perfectionists. <laughs> yeah, yeah anybody who's listened to this podcast more than once will know that we're hardly perfectionists. <laughs> but we are... Um... Yeah, we are definitely susceptible to some of it. Yeah, there you go. I wonder yeah. I wonder if anybody has suffered this properly before. I know that some of our listeners have, um, but it's maybe not something that people want to disclose or talk about. Um, yeah. Do you, think, do you think you've got any more to add to that or are you happy? No, I think we're happy. You know, one thing... <laughs> I think we're happy. <laughs> <laughs> Sleep is another thing, actually. That oh, yeah. Up. 
Yeah, that's yeah. been talked about a lot recently. People yeah. getting enough sleep, so that yeah. that changes my physical and emotional um, exhaustion levels quite a lot. I d- exhaustion is probably the one wrong word. I just get very very tired, but it does upset my uh, apple cart, and I can become a different individual if I don't get enough sleep. Normally, I turn in upon myself and just sort of want to sit down more um, yeah. and possibly have a slightly shorter fuse. But yeah, yeah, get get yeah. to go to bed, David. <laughs> Good idea. Right, should we head on? So- Over to the interview bit. Yeah, lovely. Okay. Hello there. Thanks for sticking with us so far to the interview part of the podcast. Today, from Colorado in the United States, we have David Hayes. I presume it's Hayes. It's spelt like it would be pronounced Hayes. Absolutely. Hi. How are you? You all right? I'm good. Well, we got David on today because um, actually I should probably give a bit of preamble because it's quite nice to know these things. A couple of years ago, I was sitting in WordCamp, the contributor day, and next to me was a chap called Alex. Um, and Alex communicated with me a few weeks ago and said, you should you should hook up with a good buddy of mine, uh, David Hayes, because we've got this this thing that we're doing called WP Shouts, which I knew all about anyway. And so that's why we got him on. But more specifically, we're going to talk about uh, WordPress security because it's something that we're always banging on about in the podcast, but not specifically. You know, it's like a news item, but we've never had anybody on who sort of knows their WordPress stuff. But but you do, don't you, David? Uh, yeah, I wrote a whole book on it, as they say, although technically it's not a book. It's a bunch of videos. Yeah, we should. Actually, that would be a great place to start. Um, Let's talk about your course, um, what you've got. There's a course. Well, do you want to introduce it from start to finish, if you like? Or um, Sure. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So basically, the uh, kind of as Nathan mentioned, a lot of people talk about security. They hear about it and they don't understand what exactly all of the kerfuffle is. And so I decided this was a problem that I should address. And so that's what I did last year when I created a course called WordPress Security with Confidence, which aims to give people, either site owners who just, you know, want to be able to toggle a few switches, or if you are actually a developer and want to, like, write good, secure code, um, a full understanding of what's going on and why it's important and how to do it correctly. Um, It is, I mentioned it on the podcast, um, I think, quite a while ago now, certainly sort of six months or more. But it's massive. It's absolutely huge. As I always do, whenever I get to these pages, I want to know the detail. So you go to course. I hope this is the correct URL, by the way. Um, I went to courses.wpshout.com forward slash WordPress security with confidence with some hyphens in between. And it's broken up into, wow, like 17 modules with about four bazillion videos. Um, and as you say, some of it's like for me, point and click, get a security plugin and, and hope and pray that that's going to work. And then it goes into far, far, far greater detail. Do you, um, is there one sort of particular person that you're aiming this at, or is it just at practically anybody? Um, well, so we have two tiers, uh, basically site owners who are, you know, people who I think I know what PHP is. Um, would be kind of the the way they talk about WordPress development. Um, And then for people who are writing a lot of PHP, obviously a different set of concerns comes into play there. So uh, they're just two tiers or two products that are kind of um, separated on that line. So if you know what 
cross-site scripting is, that's kind of where the second thing comes into play is like, how do I avoid it? What what does it actually look like to uh, have an attack that is a cross-site scripting attack versus if you've never heard of that term and haven't written any PHP, you know, what can you do to keep your site secure in that condition? That's kind of the two levels of the product. Okay, so easy and mature, if you like. Um, <laughs> it, with with this, what's what's your background? How come you are so knowledgeable about this stuff? Because a lot of the acronyms, I mean, literally, I've never heard of a lot of this language before. So you must have studied it or implemented it or had a had a job doing it or something like that. Uh, yeah, basically, I'm just a perennial student, I would say. Um, so some of this is just like stuff I've known for years, and some of it is stuff that I, you know, made a point of learning in the last few years for the sake of being able to understand what all of the, yeah, there are a ton of acronyms around security specifically. Um, and, you know, it, it's helpful to make you sound really informed, but it's really confusing <laughs> for people who don't know the acronyms. Yeah, it really is. Um, so that definitely uh, can can get you. But um, yeah, basically it's all, you know, I've always cared about security. I, you know, I worry about it maybe too much sometimes and just know a lot about it as a result of that. I have a really, um, I have a really deep interest in security um, in that mm-hmm. I, I, I read everything voraciously um, and I, I, I'm a, I'm a weekly listener to a, a podcast. I don't know if you've come across this on the Twit network called Security Now with Steve Gibson. It's not really got anything to do with WordPress, but it's all about, you know, the internet and Microsoft PCs and Apple and iOS and all of that mm. kind of stuff. It's really, really interesting. But I don't understand the technicalities of it. And I think like a lot of people, my assumption is is that you can sort of purchase this problem away um with a a whole raft of security products which are available um and and actually speaking of which you've done a great um little comparison do you want to mention that because this is really interesting i like this sure yeah so i i definitely um you know we should talk in a sec about whether or not you need to purchase anything yeah um but for people who are looking for wordpress plugins and which security plugin to buy it's really a confusing market where especially if you don't understand what features matter for security um it's really hard to make sense i mean even if you know what the features are actually it's sometimes harder to make sense of what they're telling Mm. you uh each plugin does so i've created wpsecuritycompared.com which is just a comparison table of the features that you might want a security plugin to have and whether or not the wordpress security plugins that you've heard of wordfence security um malcares site lock, iThemes, et cetera, mm-hmm. uh, whether or not they have those features and whether or not it's a paid feature or one that you can get in their free tier. So it's not, um, you're not sort of trying to pit them against each other, like buy this one. You're just saying, oh, this one has this, this one doesn't. And this, and you've broken it down into, what is that? Two, four, six, eight, about 10 different, 10 different areas, presumably the things that you consider to be key if you're going to be tackling mm-hmm. security. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's basically the 10 features that I think security plugins might have. Um, one could imagine like some hyper-intelligent uh, computer security agent thing that they don't have. None of them have, so that that kind of thing isn't listed there. But any feature that a lot of them have or should have is on there, I think. Um, let, let's, go, let's go back then and get, let's go straight in on the, the WordPress conversation because this is mm-hmm. a conversation w- when dealing with clients I often get. And I don't know, 
where this began and I but I but it seems to have permeated you know I've got clients they've literally no idea about building websites at all and yet they seem to think that WordPress is not secure that I don't know where that's come from I have no mm-hmm. idea why and obviously you know the last couple of weeks if you've been a Drupal user um, you've you've really been at the th- thin end of the wedge, but WordPress not so much. So, what's your opinion on that? If I was to come up to you and say those words, WordPress is insecure. Discuss. What would your answer mm-hmm. be? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a complicated topic because certainly, like that meme, uh, as you mentioned, exists of like WordPress is insecure, and I think it has a lot in common, um, as I'm sure. Nathan, you you understand that with the like Microsoft is insecure thing, which is that there is mm. both this grain of truth that back in the day when you know everyone was worried about how insecure Microsoft was and how much you needed to run antivirus, there were like actual issues that Microsoft had in their software that they hadn't addressed, and so at various times they'd flare up and people would find them and start exploiting them, and there would be a, this whole issue, and that's happened with WordPress for sure. Um, but at the same time, the process in WordPress is better than it is in many other places for exactly mm. the reason that it's been an issue for so long. Mm. So Microsoft today, I think, you know, they have kind of locked down Windows to the extent that you don't actually need to buy a third-party antivirus thing. I, I think agree. I'm so Word- glad you said that. Yeah. And WordPress is WordPress is similar in that um, the processes of WordPress have now like rendered us a pretty hardened application that is the core of WordPress. I I would trust that uh, pretty thoroughly, especially if you're keeping it up to date, which, you know, definitely is a thing you need to do um, because WordPress is made by humans and humans make mistakes and mm. you update to let the humans correct their mistakes uh, before other humans take advantage of you. Um, so WordPress is very secure, but the other thing that happens is that people are conflating the WordPress ecosystem in full mm. with WordPress and a subset of it. Yeah. So I think there are absolutely, you know, to you know, regularly if you go down on um, WP scans or I forget quite what the URL is, but uh, there's a vulnerability database of WordPress, and you know, every week you're going to see two to four plugins getting listed there as like these expose a cross-site scripting vulnerability or something like that, and those are like new issues but they aren't in the core wordpress core right. wordpress issues are handled in a very like secure way which is that no one knows what the issue is until it's been patched mm-hmm. and automatic updates are rolling out and all of that kind of stuff um so i trust wordpress like core wordpress completely as long as you keep it up to date but there are absolutely you know shady plugins that you could pirate that will be old and insecure or things like that that can happen that will totally compromise the site um, and people will often not really understanding oh is this that's actually because you were running this specific outdated plugin or my theme had included this library that was insecure uh, they'll just say oh wordpress is insecure because i got hacked yes um, which is another <laughs> common like shorthand for a whole category of problems that people don't fully understand or yeah can, characterized very accurately um so let's i mean i have to say i think wordpress several years ago i don't know how many years now i i hadn't really touched wordpress um and i was a user of or a a site builder with things like drupal and magento and they are 
like so so different in the way that they get updated you know you have to actually manually mm-hmm. go in and do things and run functions and what have you for it to update and then just pray a little bit whereas wordpress i think does a fantastic job you know if it's a minor release it just does it except for the last mm-hmm. one <laughs> yeah but 9.6 um and and that's just great so i i would entirely agree and that's the exact sort of conversation that i just try to have you know it's not wordpress it's all the bits that we're going to add into it and the environment that it lives in and so on um mm-hmm. these days has is there um we we'll talk about hacking for a moment what it feels to me like, you know, if you go back three or four years, hacking was a process of just sort of wantonly destroying things, you know, going in and demonstrate that you had the ability to do it and putting your logo or tag or whatever on a page. Whereas it feels like now we're moving towards the monetization of hacking such that, you know, you might be able to run a crypto mining bit of software or something. Mm-hmm. Why do people why do people waste their time doing this? Yeah. That's a good question. I think partly it, it, you know, like there are broad economic forces at play, which is that like, you know, a, a point two bitcoins that you got for ransoming grandma's <laughs> Windows computer, which does happen, um, you know, that's that's worth some money because bitcoins are expensive. And if you live in a country with very weak currencies, yeah. um, that really makes a huge difference. Yeah. I think that's a big part of it. I also think that it's you know, there is definitely still some like, oh, I, because I can mm. uh, in play, even if all you're doing is mining crypto on WordPress sites. Um, I think there is sort of a, you know, that some people's hobby is like, you know, hey, it, it's cool that I control 500 WordPress sites and can use them to run a, in that case, low traffic DDoS attack on yeah. someone I'm angry at. That kind of thing, I think, is all in play i just don't get it i just don't get the mentality the um i just keep i use the term bad guys um for sure yeah to cover these people and i just don't really understand it but you know ever since cryptocurrency came along all of a sudden it felt like oh okay i kind of do understand it a bit now because there's some money to be made although my understanding is there's not a fat lot of currency to be made um you know if you're injecting like a javascript base based crypto mining bit of software um i think they're trying to get into the server and use its cpu and what have you um for sure right let's let's move on then and ask that question so if wordpress is secure itself and it's updated fabulous do we need to purchase something um I think we all know the answer to this but nevertheless let's say that i am entirely without technical skills Mm-hmm. Would you, you know, I literally can write posts and save things and publish things and so on. That's that's my level of expertise. Um, is there anything that I can do myself to um, to secure my website? Or do we, at that point, advocate the purchase of a plugin? And then maybe we could have a conversation where we discuss at what point that maybe flips on its head. And, you know, if you've got a little bit of expertise, what what can you do? to not require a, a plugin and do do some of some of those things yourself sure yeah i mean i think you know in general i i give the advice that there are two like absolutely bulletproof things you need to do to keep wordpress secure they are you know update everything all mm-hmm. the time mm-hmm. and have a good password um and that really gets you 80 percent of the way but if you stole a plugin, if you didn't update a theme that you bought commercially, like those things can easily poke holes in the whole system. I think in general, 
um, security plugins can be helpful. Um, and there are specific issues that, you know, WordPress has that a security plugin is a huge boon for. Um, people, I've, I've had people whose site suddenly took a giant performance hit because, you know, a bad guy was trying to uh, hack their password, so to speak, to use hack loosely by just guessing it a thousand times. Right. And that'll actually degrade the performance of a site to the extent that you might want to turn on a security plugin that promises to let you move your login page to a place that a bad guy isn't going to randomly know where to guess your login pages. Right. Um, so there are features of security plugins that I think people might need in specific situations. I don't think anyone absolutely needs a security plugin. And it is the case that a security plugin is going to try but may not be able to, you know, you have a outdated version of, you know, some theme that included, you know, a, a pretty notorious thing in WordPress is like the the Tim Thumb image sizing library oh, from yeah, like yeah, five yeah. years ago. If you were still running a theme that had that vulnerability, a security plugin might not be able to protect you from the bad things that someone is able to do out there. Um, and so there is, I, I've definitely heard people and kind of share the concern that there's a false sense of security of like, oh, I've bought a security plugin and I'm protected. I don't need to do anything else, which is absolutely not the case. Um, even the best ones are going to, you know, be unable to prevent certain types of uh, issues. So I think it's a good idea if you're like, I'm in the market for a security plugin because I want a web application firewall, then absolutely, you know, I think there are good ones out there that'll help you with that Tim Thumb sort of issue where I'm going to update it, but I haven't gotten to it yet. Mm. Um, sort of things that can happen. Um, you know, the virtual patching that a uh, good web application firewall can give you is, you know, going to get you that valuable time of like, I definitely intend to update, but I have to do it manually. Otherwise, I don't trust it. So, you know, I only do it every week or two. Um, I think that is really beneficial. Mm. Um, but I also think that it is not the be all end all. It's not like you can just buy any security plugin or any security software and just be like, oh, I'm I'm set. You know, now I can go pirate all the softwares and run them on my Windows machine. Like it, it shouldn't work that way. You, sh you need to think about security as a process on top of I can use this to help me. Like that's where that to me is the role that um, a security plugin can and should play is I'm using this to help me not this is all I need. This mm. is the solution. Do you ever advocate, and I've seen this, I've, I've logged into several client sites upon inheriting them to discover that they've got two and sometimes three security plugins all sort of stacked up in there. I was thinking, good grief, what's what's this all about? Is there, is there any benefit in that? Are, are there any overlapping features that mean this is a good idea? Or do they, could they potentially conflict and sort of erase each other's usefulness? Yeah, I mean, certainly from a performance perspective, that's a bad idea. Yeah. Um, I think security plugins as a class, um, not to name names, uh, can be really like heavy, so to speak, on mm -hmm. a site and, you know, take the place of, you know, when people when people worry about plugin performance, they always worry about count. And I think a security plugin can count as like 50 plugins if it's, you know, written in a way and trying to do so many things mm -hmm. uh, as they can do. Mm -hmm. um, that said, I definitely think, you know, if you define the category of security plugins broadly, I think there's good reason that I might run a small plugin that just does brute force protection on my login to stop people from guessing my password yeah. 10,000 times a minute. 
um, and one that like gives me an audit log so I can see what all the people who have access to my site are doing in it so I can keep track of like, oh, this account seems to have installed a weird plugin I've never heard of. Yes. Um, that kind of, those two features are beneficial and you can get those in multiple ways. One is that you could install a single purpose plugin for that brute, brute force protection, another one for that audit log. And in that case, like those are two quote unquote security plugins. That said, I wouldn't run WordFence and security or WordFence and iThemes security necessarily. I don't think you get a ton of extra benefit there. They do have non-overlapping features um, in those two specifically. So you might implement them for that reason. Yeah. But I do think the performance and the conflict risk, especially for people who aren't developers and able to like debug why the site broke for no mm -hmm. reason, I would generally discourage the practice of getting to, uh, let's call them security suites, which are what I mean by plugins that offer like five plus security features. Yeah. Is there any, um, is there any danger when you install these things that when you then decide to move on and, and adopt uh, a different one, say, let's say you're on iThemes and you want to go over to WordFence for the sake of argument, um, that when you deactivate and finally delete these things, is there any is there any traces left? Have they left permanent things in there that you need to go manually and scrub away, like <laughs> dumping a whole load of information in your HD access file, that kind of thing? That's that is a great question. I think that gets to like a broader WordPress hygiene of plugins and themes question. Um, I think in general, yeah, you can depending on how you deactivate them and depending on how you. Um, how good they've done at uh, cleaning up after themselves. That could be an issue. Mm -hmm. um, I've definitely had, not specifically on security, but I've had plugins that have, as you said, made a change to my HT access file and didn't get rid of it when I uh, turned them off. So that kind of thing can surely happen. Mm -hmm. um, certainly like tables getting left behind in your database is common. Yes. And there's good reasons um, to do those sorts of things. So yeah, I wouldn't, expect that I can install eight different WordPress plugins, security or otherwise, and have my site be in the same state when I uh, remove them mm. as they were when I, mm. before I did, because yeah. they'll you know, have created files in my uploads folder. They'll have um, added things to the database, that kind of thing. Mm. Um, and I don't think security plugins are in any way different than other WordPress things. I think for the average end user, we can round the things they leave behind down to like, don't worry about it. Just, you know, try them out if you want to. Yep. Um, but yeah, if you're, if you're really picky, oh, I only want the, the, I think nine database tables that WordPress needs out of the box and nothing else after I remove any plugin. Um, very, very few WordPress plugins in my experience. Are no, no. Make you happy. Uh, zero is, is probably, well, no, not quite a zero, but yeah. yeah very... I mean, some of them don't create their own database tables, yeah. but very few of them remove them if they yeah, do. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, let's move on then. So very briefly, we've dealt with the efficacy of uh, WordPress uh, pl plugins, which claim to offer security. And again, if you go to wpsecuritycompared.com, you can see uh, what David has, has laid out. It's just a nice little green table with, you know, it's almost like, yes, it does this. No, it doesn't do that. And it's a feature list. Let's go to your um, your course, if you like, and, and learn a little bit about what we could do to dip our feet in the water. Um, if we wanted to try some of this stuff ourselves, what are your, what are your quick wins for 
being able to go in and, and start to feel your way around security? What things, where would you advise us to begin if we, uh, if we want to start out on this journey? Um, yeah. So are you a developer? Not For the really. sake of this discussion. No. Okay. So I do think the, the two easiest wins for sure are, as I mentioned at the outset, keep everything up to date and have a plugin that is not, you know, WordPress or your site name or any of those things. Uh, those things will prevent like the most common takeovers, which are people exploiting outdated software that had a known vulnerability in it. Um, or, you know, just a brute force password guessing attack that succeeds because you left your password as password. Um, those <laughs> sorts of things are very, very common. Yeah. I think the next thing that I would recommend, um, and we talked about this a little before the show, is that like backups give you a lot of what I would call time security in the sense of like I can reach back to the way my site was a, a week or a month ago because it seems to have gotten weird for reasons I don't understand, where it's like suddenly forwarding to, you know, casino pages or whatever it is that people want to call a hacking um, and just like get that site back, get the status of it back then back. I think security, um, I used to think was only about keeping it from getting compromised in some way, but I think backups are a huge part of giving you an overall, like I feel secure about my site because I know I can get it back the state it was a month ago if something bad does happen um obviously if something bad does happen uh you need to do more than just restore your backup uh, because probably restoring the backup is not going to close the door that the bad person came in through mm. um, but i think that's another very big very quick win that a lot of people don't do yep. you know backups yep. are a boring topic and they're they're not sexy at all. It's like, do you want to buy insurance? I mean, yeah. it's, it's very yeah. literally a kind of insurance. Right? Yeah, that's and true. And so like people just don't buy it and they know they should and they feel bad that they don't. Um, but, you know, Updraft Plus is the free version that I always recommend. I mm -hmm. like it mm -hmm. has a little of those annoying ad banners that we have in WordPress all the time now. Um, but other than that, it works perfectly to throw your entire contents of your WordPress site up on Dropbox or Google Drive or some like free shared storage thing that you're probably using anyway and just give you that peace of mind of it'll keep rolling backups for you where mm. you can go in and find exactly what your site was like a month ago mm. right in there and you know know that you could restore that if if the worst thing happened or pay for one um you know there are plenty of good options and it's just a matter of finding one and like turning it on and yeah, it's not I mean, very it's often not your hosts will have one won't they you know your hosting company will often yeah. take this on for you uh, to some extent yes yeah. again not to name names but most hosts offer that for free some of them charge you for it but yeah. almost all of them can do it for yeah. you yeah um, so absolutely that's it that's a good place but i definitely think you know you want to have you don't want to have a single backup and call yourself safe no. um part of me that it part of that is just my me as the worrier but part of that is practically it does happen that your host tries to keep rolling backups but it failed for some reason or they have a rolling backup but you didn't notice for a different time window than they did or in various ways that it's hard to restore um, a backup it's good to have multiple copies i am so ridiculously backup intensive it's it's pathetic how much time <laughs> i spend worrying about backups um 
I have backups of my backups of my backups. <laughs> yeah. There definitely is like an appropriate engagement in how much benefit you get uh, thing to consider. But I, I do think absolutely you should probably run um, a backup system in addition to your host having a backup. Yeah. I wouldn't just count on the host being able to restore you either because you weren't paying for the features yeah. or something like that. I always say make sure you've got like, you know, some somewhere else, you, no, nowhere it, it, on any of your physical equipment, get it off site mm-hmm. somewhere, you know, put it on Dropbox, put it on Google Drive or whatever. You, yeah, your absolutely. I mean, it, it's, it, I feel like it's it's much less of a thing than it was 10 years ago. But I remember the first time I tried to do backups in WordPress, I didn't quite understand it. And I got something that was called Backup DB or something like that. And yeah. Backed up my database right to the local file system which is better than nothing, but it's not very good if you're actually dealing with an adversary who is going to be in there and have access to your file system. Just delete it. Um, <laughs> you have no protection from that. So, yeah, yeah absolutely. I think uh, making sure that you get a full site backup is a big part of Okay, so m- moving on from backups. And so passwords, backups, that's the, they're the, the two beginners. Where, where, where might we go from there? Yeah, I mean, I think at that point you get into actually understanding some security-related features of WordPress and of the plugin ecosystem. I mean, the next thing is is really for very non-technical people. I think it gets into, you know, just making sure you have a variety of passwords. But that's, again, in that category of passwords. Like, you don't want to use the same password for your FTP access as you do for your WordPress site and your Facebook account and your Google account. um, Because then a compromise of any of those passwords compromises the whole ecosystem. Mm. Um, Beyond that, though, it really, like, comes down to pretty quickly you get into, like, well, just install a brute force protection plugin. um, or Or a full security suite that has that as a feature. Um, because it's pretty hard to do most of the more complicated things. One of the big benefits that some of the security plugins provide is what I would call hardening help. They just help you make sure that your file system permissions are accurate mm. on your server. Yep. And as a, as a developer, you can do that the old-fashioned way. But as an end user who isn't super technical, I think that's pretty hard to like, yeah, just do that. Or um, as you mentioned before we uh, started recording, Nathan, ch- change all your salts on your WordPress site. Um, is a is a task that a non-technical person can do, but it's much easier if someone gives you a button to click that does that. Yes. Um, than if it's something where you've got to go into this file and change these four lines, but don't change any of the other lines. You might yeah. <laughs> Whatever you do. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's let's then move in to some of the some of the some. Let's see, I wonder how far we can go with this um, mm. sort of technical stuff. So let's take the assumption now that we're somewhere between site owner and developer. Um, mm-hmm. What what are the things that we can begin to fiddle with, um, get our hands dirty on? Yeah, I mean, I think absolutely. I mentioned file permissions are a thing that like yep. is kind of in that boundary where if you have an FTP program open, um, you can make sure that you've 755'd everything or something like that. Um, but there also is... Um, you know, you're starting to get into developer territory there. I think when it comes to actual developer territory, you know, you quickly get into like, well, are you writing code? And how secure is the code you're writing? Mm. And talking about code is a pretty difficult art that I don't think I've mastered. So I don't know that we can go too deep into like, <laughs> well, what, do, what does sanitization actually mean yeah. uh, without 
boring everyone to death. But I think that's kind of the category you start to get into is when you become a developer, there are a whole set of very different concerns because you're actually writing stuff that could have a vulnerability that, mm. you know, someone uses on a site you built for a client or someone uses on a on, you know, where you distributed that plugin for free on WordPress.org. And that's a whole different set of concerns of like, are you sanitizing? Do you know what uh, cross-site scripting vulnerabilities are and have you prevented them, those sorts of things. And that's a that's a whole other category that the course covers, um, I think, pretty competently, but it's hard for us to talk about. So we yeah. can dive deep on one of those no, kinds it's... of issues, but I do think it's like, yeah, I mean, your code should look like this and not like that. <laughs> So that's um, I'm looking at the course now, and it's kind of neatly categorized in two ways, isn't it? You've got site owner and developer, and and after a period of time, the site owner badge drops away, and you are mm-hmm. just left with a whole bunch of um, really more difficult and challenging things. So, for example, you've got um, development basics CR. I, mean, I don't even know what these acronyms stand for. Some of them CSRF. I know what XSS is and SQLI. I know what they are, but and it just goes on and on. Um, mm-hmm. Web application security project top 10 and attacking WordPress vulnerabilities. So there's a there's a, a very large proportion of this course which is designed for people who are writing code and deploying stuff and making plugins and that kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah, CSRF is one of those nice academic ones that actually doesn't get exploited as much as you'd think because it's pretty complicated to run such an attack. Uh, but it stands for cross-site request forgery. I've just learned that. I just saw it as one of the yeah. bullet points. I thought, eh, yeah, I could pretend like I knew, but <laughs> yeah. No. So the the idea there is like if if you have a form and you convince someone to click a button that actually deletes their database when they thought they were you know saving, um, that's kind of what a CSRF attack classically looks like. But um, you know, you prevent it in WordPress with uh, nonces basically, which are you know, there's a function called WP nonce field and you check that on the other end and suddenly you're safe because the form knows what its intent is and it's hard then it's hard to distract a button into being used for some other bad purpose you see there you go right away we're all um we're all in awe we're all thinking ah oh, he really knows what he's on about he's, he's using words like nonce <laughs> yeah. um yeah um with, with with security more broadly just sort of moving away from wordpress mm-hmm. do you, are you Oh, how to describe this? Are you? Do you think we're doomed in the end? Do you think <laughs> the bad guys are, are just getting so unbelievably clever that it's you know if they if they really want to get you you're done. There's there's nothing to be done about it. Um, or do or do you think that in the end the security will lock itself down to such an extent that the hackers have got no chance? It feels to me like the hackers are always winning. Yeah. I mean, I think I think uh, it is an interesting question because it's kind of a, a ongoing war. Security is, you know, there's no way that you can like suddenly secure something unless you basically take a computer and bury it in the ground. That's pretty secure because no one will get any data off that computer anymore. <laughs> um, but if it's on the internet, especially, and this is where it matters to WordPress, it can be reached by a bad guy. And so that's why, you know, updating is so important because as soon as someone is like, oh, we've fixed this issue, someone else is going to be on there being like, oh, can I use that issue to do bad things? Mm. Um, I think there is sort of a, 
an increasing awareness about security that has been good and it certainly scared a lot of people as well. Um, in the U.S., politicians love to talk about cyber and the new cyber risks because they aren't people of the Internet. And so cyber is the term they reach for here, um, which is such an antiquated term in the rest of the country. Uh, but I think there is an increasing awareness. And I do think with awareness comes, you know, some some increased security. I do think, um, will there always be bad guys finding new ways in? Absolutely. But are people a little better these days about, you know, the, the frequency at which I tell people you should use a password manager and they're like, oh yeah, I do. Yeah. Um, yeah like that's point. going up. Yeah. 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 And that is a huge help because one of the classic vulnerabilities is that, you know, someone reuses the Facebook password on 17 different sites one of those sites gets compromised and they weren't doing password storage well. And, you know, suddenly that hacker goes and tries that password with that email address on Facebook and they hack, quote unquote, the Facebook account. Um, that's probably happened 10,000 times. Yep. And the easy protection is use a password manager and have good, unique passwords all across the Internet. And suddenly you're safe. Your WordPress site is safe from, you know, this forum you signed up for five years ago. Yes. And I think awareness of those kinds of things has grown. And so people are less likely to just use their favorite beer name as their password on every service they can. Um, so I think that is a real step in the right direction. But I do think there is definitely like a need for constant awareness and vigilance in security because as soon as, you know, practices move in a way that like, oh, now Microsoft installs basically antivirus software by default. Yep. Um, you know, then, you know, someone's going to find a different way in yep. to people's lives and to take over. You know, I think ransoming Facebook accounts because of bad passwords is probably, you know, in the cards in the next five years because people have will have figured out that they can get their computer taken over. Yeah. Um, but it's a slow, gradual process. You know, I have um, um, I have a I, I use a, a solution called LastPass, um, which is, I think, pretty good. Um, but I, I take the further approach. I actually lock LastPass down with a Yubi key. Have you, have you got one of those mm -hmm. little things which sticks in your USB port and it's basically a keyboard? Um, yeah, I, I don't. I don't actually have one, but I certainly know the concept. Yeah, it's it's very cool watching it work. <laughs> this little thing of about a hundred characters just whizzes across the screen and types it on in. When I um when I listen to this Security Now podcast on a weekly basis, which honestly I would encourage anybody to listen to, Steve Gibson, the guy that introduces, is the most enthusiastic person ever. Um, and it's unbelievable sometimes how sublimely complicated some of the things that people pull um, pull off are in order to get things you know that they want to get and I guess at the end of the day the truth is these sublime and amazing attacks they're usually perpetrated against um, against people who've got something worthy of having um, mm. And you know your little WordPress site. Whilst it could be attacked by something automated, it's 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 probably less likely than the the, the stuff that you're seeing on the news all the time. Um, yeah, the, you're you're bringing up a great point that I am happy we get to get to, which is like you have to consider your threat model mm. to talk about security in an intelligent way. And so, a uh, uh, average WordPress site doesn't need to worry about like a complex phishing attack where someone tries to give you a password reset email that looks like your WordPress site but isn't. 
like that could be a vector for you know taking down the white house's wordpress site right um because hopefully they would have a little bit more the white house is the head of the u.s executive branch yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, um, to take down their wordpress site if they had one because you know they're probably going to do the obvious things um already security wise but your site is going to be taken down by you know the botnets of the internet just like going out and attacking you know every site they can find with password guesses and with like attempts to exploit you know known vulnerabilities of popular plugins those mm. kinds of things mm. that is what actually is a risk to almost every wordpress site not the more complicated attacks that do happen out in the wider world to more political actors or those sorts of things where it you know it really you know it's cool to take a, a lot of money from a giant corporation but that's not the threat model that most wordpress sites need to worry about no. <laughs> they need to worry about the botnets of the internet swarming on them and yeah yeah, you know, making their site slow because they're trying to guess the password. Um, those are the sort of things that actually affect WordPress sites is really those botnets because every WordPress site is on the internet. And so it has some intrinsic value to people who are just trying to, you know, have more resources available to run DDoS attacks and whatever on the internet. Mm. Whereas um, we don't need to worry as hard about like, oh, like what if, you know, I had a friend who I gave access to the site and they then went rogue. Like you can worry about that, but that's not the, you know, the model that I would worry about on an average WordPress site. It's, it's that they're swarming hordes of botnets on the internet as well. Yes, yes. And those are really the things that are doing damage to average WordPress sites who people who think that their site doesn't matter. And so they don't need to worry about securing it. Suddenly you're like, oh my gosh, I got hacked because they don't actually consider that there are intrinsic threats of being on the internet. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's in using yeah, WordPress. Really good point. the The thing that kind of keeps me awake. Well, it doesn't. I sleep very well. But if I was to be kept awake at night, the the thing that would keep me awake is is us. I don't know what it's like in the US. I'm guessing it's just the same as what I'm about to say. Is the Internet of Things putting these tiny little mm -hmm. devices that have got like a full operating system on them? Um, that are never going to be patched, that are never going to be looked at, that were junk, they were just written as junk anyway. And they're going to sit on your network for the next five years just saying, hey, here I am, come and infect me, and then I'll get into your network and start, you know, locking up files on your computers. Ugh. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> there is a need a need to secure, you know, if you're trying to secure a WordPress site, there is a need to be cognizant of the fact that, like, oh, I have this snooping light bulb on my network and yeah <laughs> it might be able to do bad things yeah yeah i think absolutely like there is a lot of as much as i'm optimistic because like you know the sony hack was talked about a lot here yeah. where yeah you know um a bunch of data was stolen from the i think movie side of the sony corporation mm -hmm. um That's right. it absolutely is the case that people are buying these very cheap devices that as you say will probably never get updated no one has even considered the update mechanism that they should have um, and do complicated stuff. And like, I'm personally very hesitant to buy that stuff for exactly the reasons we're yeah, talking about. Yeah. But yeah. a lot of people have bought it and it definitely does, you know, the possibility of light bulbs being used in a DDoS attack um, is both hilarious and terrifying. It's sure. totally going to happen. And apparently this week for the first time, somebody, some hacker somewhere has managed to keep things 
in in not not in RAM, so that you switch it off, switch it back on again, and it's still there, mm-hmm. which, um, which yeah. is a, a bit of a sinister development. So you know, it's persistent. <laughs> Anyway, there we go. That was a fantastic little chat. I feel like I'm going to just sort of get into non-WordPress subject matter here. We're just going to start rambling <laughs> on about the internet and, <laughs> yeah. and ultimately, you know, cyber warfare. Um, but no, we should stop. What I would like to do is say thank you for coming on. Um, and I'd like to put a big shout out, a WP shout <laughs> out to, um, yeah, courses.wpshout.com forward slash WordPress hyphen security hyphen with hyphen confidence and go check it out. Go and see what David's put out there. Um, I guess it's going to be on sale for the for the foreseeable future. Do you um, do you intend Absolutely. to sort of keep the, the course updated or is most of it kind of the sort of stuff that doesn't really need to change too much? Uh, great question. So all of our courses, we kind of have a, yeah, we will update it over time as needed um, policy. And if a buyer at any point in time gets access to every update we make. So we've updated up and running four times and um, people who bought it back three years ago have the latest stuff, all the Gutenberg stuff. So uh, that's absolutely our policy. And that's exactly what will go on with the security site, uh, security course. I don't know that I will update it this year, but certainly an update is going to be necessary at some point. And, um, any buyer would have access to that for Great. all time. Great. Good to hear. Okay. Thanks, David. Absolute pleasure having you on. And um, you never know, we might be speaking to you soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Yeah. Thanks for having me. And for our ending fact today, I've gone over to the lifehacks.org site where they've got eight web design facts that will blow your mind. Actually, they don't, but this is a bit of a follow-on. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is the one that's... Um, that Nathan mentioned in a, a previous episode when we were saying about how long a website lasts. And number three on here is a two-year-old website may be too old. And that's exactly what you said, Nathan. Well, that was pure guesswork. <laughs> it just feels to me like that seems like a, in you know, in terms of the design trends and the way things look and how quickly things become aged and tired, the the idea of two years felt about right. Um, I, well, I think this is the the minimum, isn't it? There's no way I would ever approach a client within anything less than two years and, and dare to suggest that what I'd built them looked out of date. I'd feel that I'd, um, I was being very disingenuous at that point. But things do move on so fast and two years feels like, yeah, it feels like a reasonable amount of time, you know, the technology changes, the the way that you can do things on mobile changes, the way that you can interact with elements changes. And we all know what I'm talking about. It's hard to put into mm. words, but things look out of date faster than ever. And two years seems like uh, seems like about right. Where do, I wonder if they got any evidence for that, or if it's just uh, them trying to justify uh, you know people like ours our existence. <laughs> I think so. When I look at the other mind blowing facts, uh, I suggest other people take a look at them and judge for themselves. But I just like that because I, I think it's a nice thing to talk about. One thing we didn't talk about in that last discussion where you said that is the fact that we didn't talk about that we can sell the idea that we'll be there always to support them gradually to progress their site yep. so it's there's not a big rebuild every so often that's a really great idea and i think there's a great selling opportunity there um mm. to you know as part of the contract you could say and we'll come back to you in two years time or whatever mm. you're comfortable with three years whatever 
um, and we'll offer you a discount if you at that point choose to to amend the website. And it doesn't at that point need to be a complete rewrite. You don't mm. need to start over. You could maybe even just introduce a new way of having the header or the footer or the, the fonts or whatever it might be. Um, I think there's a nice conversation to be had after two years, especially if you've interact with, interacted with them on a care plan or something like that during that time. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, life hack agrees with Nathan. Great. There's nothing more in life that I need now. Uh, my life is complete. I have been agreed with. By, it's probably the other way around, isn't it? Let's be honest. This was probably published long before I said two years. So there you go. Right. We'll end there. Thank you for getting to the end again of the WP Builds podcast. You can join us over at wpbuilds.com forward slash subscribe. Got lots of uh, buttons on there. Too many, I would add. Um, and I would encourage you to use the, the Messenger one. I think that's probably a great way of doing this going forwards if you've got Facebook Messenger. And then wpbuilds.com forward slash deals if you want to keep up to date with the latest deals that we've got. It's never a lot, usually one or possibly two, but they might save you a few quid on certain select products. Right, it only remains for me to say thank you. Thank you for listening yet again. I'm Nathan Wrigley. And I'm David Wormsley. And we shall have cheesy music, as we always do. Bye-bye. Bye.